First Peter chapter one, and I'll take let you take a look at that introductory slide for First Peter chapter one, thirteen through seventeen. And instead of saying therefore, I want you to think along the lines of for this reason. I was telling my wife, it's like we don't use that kind of language too much, at least around our house. I don't tell her something and say, therefore. (laughs) But I want to use for this reason. Because I believe that's the point that Peter is trying to make. And so in those first 12 verses, he's going to tell them whose they are, who they are, and the hope that they have. And then I want us to talk about serving in trying times. Peter knows serving Christ, and then the recipients, and they're serving Christ. So I'm going to just read verse 13 through 17, and sort of change the wording there just a little bit. Let me get the right book here. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. For this reason, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. For this reason, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. For this reason, if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. As Peter introduces this book in verses 1 through 12, and he brings up this concept, this idea, that they are going to go through trials, verse 7, and their faith is going to be tested. There is going to be persecution. That's the point that he's making as he starts. But he also talks about their salvation. But I want you to keep this in mind. As he talks about them, he talks about the chosen or the elected, depending on which translation. He talks about the fact that they have been sprinkled by the blood of Christ. They've been born again to a living hope. They are protected by the power of God through faith. And that the prophets long ago had foretold these things. Angels had longed to look into these things. And so in those first 12 verses, he talks about the blessings that they have as Christians. And then in verse 13, he makes that transition. And in your Bible, most of them would say, therefore. But I want you to think, for this reason. Because of all these things. For this reason. this This ought to be your response. And so as I mentioned in class this morning, as you think about the book of 1 Peter, he's going to talk about their salvation, he's going to talk about their service, and then he's going to talk about suffering. In verse 13, when he says, for this reason, he then says, gird up the loins of your mind. That's also not a phrase that we use too often. And you've probably heard the illustration before that it's actually giving reference to that day and time that how men oftentimes wore the longer robes and whenever they were getting ready to travel, whenever they were getting ready to work, whenever they might go into battle, they might reach down, pull up that robe, 
And then the, most of the time they wore a belt and they would tuck that in so that they could move more freely. Because they were getting prepared for something. They're getting prepared for action. And so he says, gird up the loins of your mind. Get your mind set. And then he says, be sober. And it carries with it that idea of being focused. And even as we talked about in class this morning, it doesn't necessarily have to mean that a person could be intoxicated with alcohol or drugs or whatever. They could be intoxicated by the world. They could be intoxicated by pleasure. They could be intoxicated by pursuit of material wealth. And so he's saying, be focused, be sober, gird up the loins of your mind, prepare for action, and then be focused on how you need to live as a Christian. That's the point he's making in verse 14. He says, as obedient children. Stop and think about that for just a moment. Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober, be focused. As obedient children. This is the 60s. I'm going to mention some dates today. (laughs) Because I think in, in giving consideration to those dates, that also helps us to appreciate what Peter's saying. So here's the Apostle Peter. And he's writing, and this is early to mid-60s. Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober as obedient children. When Peter was originally called by Jesus Christ, that had to be around 29 or 30. And here we are 30-some years later. Do you think Peter knows what he's talking about when he tells them, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober as obedient children? Do you think maybe there's a reason why he's telling them that? Do you think maybe he may be wanting to relate to them, hey, we're going to be at this a while? This is not some quick fix, just a flash in the pan type of thing. So you need to get your mindset. You need to be focused. And as obedient children, this is what God wants you to do. Now I think there's a reason why that would be applicable to us today. Because it's been said on numerous occasions, we now live in a microwave society, don't we? (laughs) I want it now. I don't want to wait for it. I want it now. I want to give you this illustration. It's from an article that I read, actually, by a man by the name of Jeffrey Zachs, and he's a professor of psychology and radiology at the University of Washington, just over in over in St. Louis. He asked this question about trends in society. 
and about shortcuts to solve problems. He says, is it me or is everybody out there looking for a quick fix? He said, there seems to be something compelling about this idea that there's a secret switch we flip to increase our cognitive abilities, become smarter, and then we can quickly solve our problems. What he is saying is, as a society as a whole and as an individual, and I'm sure you've seen this. You want to get smart real quick? You play some of these brain games. You ever seen that type thing? And what he is saying is not only as a society do we want a quick fix to things, we've kind of bought into this idea that, you know, if I follow the right program or if I take the right pill, he mentions that also, I can become smarter. And the smarter I become, the quicker I can fix my problems. And then I can get on to something else. He goes on to say in that same article, he goes, this even has commercial appeal. And he says, or asks, remember the game, if I pronounce it correctly, Lumosity? Remember that? Nobody remember that? Play these brain games? And it increases your cognitive abilities. And you'll become smarter. You'll raise your IQ. And it won't take long. He also stated in the same article that they are now settling a lawsuit with the United States Federal Trade Commission for making unsupported claims that their product was scientifically validated when it wasn't. And being on a university campus, he said it also became became popular among students. If you take these pills, it increases your focus, guaranteed to do better on tests. Some, he said, are now advertising that they can teach you a foreign language while you sleep. Just solve your problems. His point was this. We need to remember that sometimes you're going to have to flesh it out. Sometimes it takes effort and it takes time to get the results that you're looking for. He said sometimes there's no quick fix. So in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13, when Peter says, therefore, he's saying, for this reason, you have all these blessings as a Christian, elected as God, sprinkled with His blood, born again to a living hope, but now as obedient children. You need to keep this in mind. Because serving God in this life It's not always going to be easy. There's going to be plenty of challenges to your faith. And you're going to have to stick it out. You know, as you stop and think about that in the day and time in which Peter wrote, I have a feeling they were asking some of the same questions 
that people might be asking today. I just recently read another article, comment, maybe you saw this, in regards to the latest stimulus package. You locked us down, you destroyed small business, and now you want to send us $600 for our troubles? <laughs> Seriously? And so people start to ask these kind of questions. How am I going to make a living? How do I get through this year? Have you heard anybody say that lately? I read a New Year's card while we were in Kentucky. <laughs> and it was sort of sarcastic. And it said, wave goodbye to 2020. And I thought to myself, what if it's not over? Who said that on January 1, our problems are behind us? Nobody has said that. Nobody can guarantee that. So wave goodbye to 2020? What if it follows us into 2021? Or 2022? What about not just the pandemic? What about folks that have chronic issues, chronic problems? How do they make it through this year or next year? What if it's just not going away? But they're Christians. I think Peter has something to say about that also. I think Peter knows something about serving Christ. Take a look at verse 14 and verse 15. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to your former lusts, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Peter said these challenges may go on for a while. But this is the way God wants you to conduct yourself. You know, if there's anybody that is probably qualified to write about and encourage those who are facing tough times, it would be Peter. I want you to think about this for just a moment. Peter's the one who walked with Jesus. He was one of the chosen. Do you think he can relate when he tells them that they are the chosen or that they are the elect? Peter says, I, I, I remember when I was chosen. Do you know that Peter's got more speaking parts in the New Testament than any other character besides Jesus? Do you know Peter is the one that Jesus spoke to more than anybody else in the New Testament? That Peter's the one that is there in all the major events that are recorded? He's one of the original twelve. And now as he starts this letter, he introduces himself as his apostles, as we talked about. That's one who is sent. Why would Jesus send him? The closeness to Jesus 
is well known. His faith and his failures, they're well known too. But at the same time, Peter's relatable. Because Peter's that guy that you could say that the spirit is, is willing, but the flesh is weak. You ever been there? You ever feel like that? He's the guy that threw his net after fishing all night, didn't catch a thing, and Jesus said, throw it on this side. And he threw it. What happened? The net was so full it almost burst. Do you think that made an impression on Peter? But think about this. Peter's also one of the guys that went into that house with that little girl with the lifeless body that Jesus raised. You think that made an impression? Peter was there when they went up on that mount and he saw Moses and Elijah and Jesus transformed. You think that made an impression? Peter's the one who tried to talk Jesus out of not going to the cross. You think he ever remembers that? Peter's the one that said, if they come for you, I'll die for you. And then he turned around and denied him three times. You think Peter ever thought about that? Do you think over the years Peter learned that if Jesus says this is the way to do it, that this is the way that you ought to do it? Do you think that over time Peter came to understand that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? But he's also the one that even though he had denied Jesus, he was the one that Jesus sent a message and said, you go tell Peter and the others I'll meet him in Galilee John the 21st chapter records that occasion when Jesus met with Peter and he asked him do you love me three times and then he told him follow me so now it's been 30 years And that fishing business, you ever stop and think about that? Because in the Gospels, we're introduced to that. It's Peter, and it's Andrew, and it's James, and it's John. And that's the way they make a living. But you know what? That's in the rearview mirror now. He walked away from that business to follow Jesus Christ. So where's Peter when he writes this letter? We talked about that this morning. He's in Babylon. Now whether that's on the Euphrates or whether that's in Rome, Galilee is a long ways away. And this is where Peter is now. You want to know something else? 
Peter was probably called around 29 or 30. It was about the 40s when the disciples' followers were first called Christians. Remember that from Acts 11? In the 50s, in the 50s, Paul will pen 1 Corinthians. And you know what he'll say about Peter? He'll say, don't we have a right to take along a believing wife like Peter? You ever stop and think about that? It wasn't Peter by himself that left Galilee. His wife went with him. Wherever he is, she's there too. And so now it's been three decades since Jesus told Peter, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. And then he told him, you follow me. Ever think about that? Think it was easy? Think Peter knows something about persecution? You think Peter knows something about the challenges? About fleshing it out in your everyday life? And so now Peter writes to those who are scattered abroad. And in verses 1 through 3, he says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, elect chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter says you're scattered. I can identify with that. And was he writing to Jewish or Gentile Christians? Well, based upon various scriptures that are throughout this book, he was writing to both. Scattered throughout Asia Minor. But Peter doesn't call them Christians. He refers to those refers to them as the chosen, to those who are sprinkled with the blood of Christ born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so what Peter is saying is remember what you believed, remember what you obeyed, and, and remember the hope that you have. So as they face all those challenges, Peter's telling them essentially, this is how you hold on. And verse 4, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved for you in heaven, who are kept by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Whose are you? Who are you? And what's the hope that you have? You know what Peter's saying? He's saying, for this reason, You're more than what you're experiencing. You ever think about that? 
No matter what kind of challenges might come to you in life, you're more than what you're experiencing. You're more than the circumstances that you're going through. And what Peter is saying, that's what will deliver you. Therefore, for this reason, gird up the loins of your mind, prepare for action, and fix your hope on the revelation of Jesus Christ. Be focused. You know, there ought to be a for this reason or a therefore in every Christian's life. You know, we ought to be able to take a look at our life and say, well, there was before, but now for this reason, this is the way I live. This is the reason why I do these things. In John, the 21st chapter, once again, there's that well-known scene when Jesus meets with Peter on the shores of Galilee. And he asks him three times, do you love me? And then in verse 19 is where he says, follow me. You know, Peter had heard those words before. He heard them about three years earlier. Follow me. But now, in John 21, Jesus says, follow me. And this time, whenever he says it, there's a different meaning behind those words to Peter. Now it's, for this reason, Peter, you know me. You were with me. You saw me when I went to the cross. You saw me after the cross. So for this reason, follow me. Once again, I want you to stop and think about that for just a moment. Can you kind of visualize, because oftentimes whenever I read scriptures, that's what I do, is kind of try to visualize in my mind it's like what's taking place and what's going on. That's that morning. And Jesus has breakfast with Peter. And then he asks him three times, do you love me? And then he tells him, follow me. Peter knows what he's asking. So can you imagine what it was like that morning when Peter went home? And he's talking with his wife? Well, i kind of been thinking about leaving the fishing business. Oh, really? Yeah, I was thinking I'd leave the fishing business and we'd leave our home and we'd leave this area. Really? Yeah, I was thinking we would leave and we'd go tell people about Jesus. So leave your job, leave our home, leave this area, leave the income that we've had that's paid for our living, put a roof over our heads, 
How much you think this new job's gonna pay? Not sure. And so where will we be staying? Guess we'll find out as we go. How are we gonna eat? Not quite sure. And his wife looks at him and says, here comes the surprise. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. You know, there's two times when Peter's wife is mentioned in the scriptures. First Corinthians 9, Paul asks about Peter's wife and him taking along a wife. The other time, remember that occasion? She's not necessarily mentioned specifically. It's actually her mother that is mentioned. Remember that? When Jesus goes into that house and he heals Peter's mother-in-law. Now I want to ask you something. Do you think that had any impact on Peter's wife? And do you think that Jesus knew it would have an impact on Peter's wife? Do you think Jesus knew. One of these days, Peter, I'm going to ask you to leave it all. <laughs> Walk away, and your wife's got to go with you. So, do you think Jesus knew how important that occasion would be? You know, it's legend that we oftentimes read about how Peter died. Have you read that? That he was crucified upside down? You know what legend says about Peter's life? It's harder to find the more details about this. Legend has that she was put to death too. I don't know how. You ever think about that? Peter left Galilee. He took her with him. They were in it together. You think it's important? For our husbands and wives to serve together? Yeah, it is. So Peter says in 1 Peter 1 and verse 13, For this reason, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober. You think Peter knows what he's talking about? Peter's saying, I know your fears. 
I know the persecution. I know the uncertainty. I've been through it. For this reason, gird up the loins of your mind. For this reason, be sober. And those first 12 verses, that's what came before. This is who you are. This is who you belong to. And this is what you're being called to. For this reason. I'll tell you something else about Peter before we close. At the end of this book, you know what else he'll say about himself? He'll say he's an elder. Ever thought about that? So what's that mean? Well, when you look at those qualifications, you going to be an elder? You're going to have a wife, aren't you? You going to be an elder? What else are you going to have? You're going to have kids, aren't you? Now you think about that. 30 years since he left. The shores of Galilee. He took his wife. He raised those kids. And he writes, Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. For this reason. So when you stop and think about his life, Peter knew what he was talking about. He knew the challenges that they would face because he'd been through them. So as we read this book of 1 Peter, I encourage you to read it and to think about those things. Because sometimes we just read that and it just kind of passes by us, doesn't it? Here's Peter, he's an apostle, and so he's inspired, and he writes, and he does. But he also writes from experience. And he writes from a practical side. And it's encouragement to them, and it's an encouragement to us also. Remember who you are. Remember whose you are. And the hope that we have. Because in verse 13, Peter says, for this reason. Therefore. That's all I have to say about that this morning. I just want us to kind of get the mindset as we read through the book of 1 Peter. Because he's going to talk about salvation. And he's going to talk about serving. And then he's going to talk about suffering. And Peter's one that lived through it all. I want to extend the invitation this morning to any and all that are here. And if you're a subject in any way. And if we can help you in your response to Jesus Christ. Let us know while together we stand and while we sing.